We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. Previously on Kill Bill Volume 1. There was a woman. She was known as the Bride. She went to a wedding rehearsal. There was a massacre, but she survived. She woke up four years later, went on a revenge killing spree, but only killed two people. And an entire bunch of others. Welcome to Kill Bill Volume 2! Hello, and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack, and today I'm joined by a member of the Deadly Viper Assassin Squad. It's Chris. I was known as the constrictor my oh. love of suffocating the victims or the targets we don't call them victims we call them targets detaches us more from them makes us more efficient killers what's your method of murder a big old hug a big old hug i didn't make it past the trial periods oh hug, yeah. hug not deadly enough no uh in fact i just spent half an hour hugging bill <laughs> give us a cuddle bill you're, you're so squidgy and manly you'll be dead in a few years <laughs> The deadliest weapon, Chris. A hug. Time. T oh, time. That's your killing method. Yes. Time. It kills everyone in the end. <laughs> oh, God, that's a depressing thought. Jeez. <laughs> Way to bring down the mood. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's try and lighten the mood with Kill Bill, Volume 2, which came out in 2004, directed by Quentin Tarantino, and is a sequel to Kill Bill, Volume 1, which we did last week. It was a good episode last week. I enjoyed it. Are you going to enjoy this episode? Most of it. Okay. <laughs> Great. Shall we kick off then with the beginning of Kill Bill Volume 2? Indeed, it starts off black and white. I don't actually remember the beginning. It was, oh. so, it was so many hours ago I watched this film. <laughs> oh, you just remember it's black and white. Well, well remembered for, for that aspect. Yes, it's black and white and it's a flashback to the rehearsal for the bride's wedding so she's not actually killed during her wedding proper it's a wedding rehearsal that a wedding the, dress rehearsal yes the the actual massacre takes place so the bride she's all pregnant and she's having a bit of a chin wag with her uh, guests and everyone and her, her groom and she's given a moment to take a break and she goes outside and lo and behold outside waiting for her is bill silver fox bill and he's there he's been tracking the bride down because we find out later through the series of flashbacks that bill thought that she'd been killed during a mission and he was going after the people that actually killed the bride but inadvertently stumbles upon the bride herself so he goes to the church has a bit of a chit chat the bride the bride thinks that they're cool and that the bad blood of her running away has been washed away but little does she know bill can hold a grudge and play the flute is that a flute that's a very long flute it's an awesome i want one i was expecting there to be like a sword in there or something it's that long i thought it was a bagpipe at first you thought bill played the bagpipes well, because at first it only showed like the one piece, and I thought it's a weird sounding bagpipe. Yeah. <laughs> and soon I was like, oh no. He probably uses it as a weapon at, at some point. Just hit him. Naughty. Have a float on yeah. the head to discipline his, his students. But no, Bill holds a grudge and plays the pipes, Chris. Float. Float. Bagpipe. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and he gets in his whole Deadly Viper Assassin Squad to mow down the whole wedding party, including. Sam Jackson on the organ. Why? Why was it? Was it just because that was in Pulp Fiction? He was like, oh, can I have a cameo in Kill Bill? Yeah, I think that was it. He had a cameo. They never actually show his face, but it's definitely him. Yeah. And also, a guy smoking in black and white looks cool. Atmospheric. Yeah. Also, there is a fan theory, Chris, that Sam Jackson's character in this is his character, Jules Winfield, from Pulp Fiction. Because at the end of Pulp Fiction... He lives, he finds God and decides that he's going to have a drift, going to wander around the US. So maybe he ended up in this church in the middle of nowhere and plays the organ now. Fair enough, okay. <laughs> it's unlikely that it's him. And Quentin Tarantino's never said that it's Jules. It's the same guy, no. <laughs> yeah, so... But, you know, the Tarantino-averse is all interlinked with different characters and Quentin Tarantino-esque properties, like... Uh, red apple cigarettes it could red well apple be cigarette yeah the hell's red apple cigarette it's one of his brands to link his movies together <laughs> yes right it's weird 
continuity, but it it works. So the deadly Viper Assassin group, they gun everyone down. It's not a very professional way to do it. It's more like a mob here, isn't it, rather than deadly assassins Yeah, I being think, covert and stuff. I mean, really, he could have probably only just used one. Unless he was worried, you know, the bride was going to turn around and be like, what are, or whatever, and just take them all out. Yes, he didn't anticip- what are. What are. He didn't anticipate her being uh, pregnant. No, that's true. That's a, sh- a shock to him. Uh, pregnancy is a bit on the confusing side because we get a scene that shows when she takes a pregnancy test and then it's meant to be three months later is when he tracks her down in that church and yet she's she's huge. Well, maybe it's twins. It's not twins. It's not twins. <laughs> or maybe maybe there's a delay between when she actually figures out. Maybe it takes her a bit longer to figure out that she's pregnant. Tells her it's slightly different in people. Some people don't even know that they're pregnant. I read a story about that once. A woman didn't know and she just gave birth. Yeah. But how do you not know? <laughs> it does happen sometimes. So we'll give them some leeway with that right. we, won't, we won't downgrade them for that but, but yeah i reckon that's why he brought the entire squad because he's worried that the bride uh if she was unpregnant she would have turned around and kicked all them because she's meant to be the best member isn't she yeah so it's better safe than sorry bring the whole squad along just in case and give them all machine guns rather than samurai swords it's not a bad plan and then Bill just waits to the very end and pulls out his revolver for one single shot. And, and he, he still fucks it up. Yeah, he messes that one up real good. Yeah. So that's the flashback and um, everything that goes along with it. When the shooting actually starts, the camera's panned out outside the Disappointingly. church. So we only hear the shots. But um, there's there's plenty of time for when the guests see the Deadly Viper Assassin Squad. And then the shooting takes place because they walk in and then I'm guessing that they spread out across the back of the yeah, church f- to get maximum coverage. coverage. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't a very, like I said, it's more. it feels more like a mob hit than a professional. Well, that's probably what Bill wanted because when the police and stuff turn up, saying that when the police turn up, they, um, the officer's like, oh, this was a professional thing. This wasn't a random gang thing. So I don't know. Apparently we missed something. Yeah. I know. But if you were in this church, Chris, and let's be Sam Jackson. Okay. It's in Texas. And you're Samuel Jackson. And you're a piano player. He and you may or may not be the character from Pulp Fiction. He would have rolled. was a gangster. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> so bear that in mind. He would have rolled and ducked down behind the piano and then popped back up, dual wielding two pistols. And he would have taken at least two of them down before they turned his attention on him. At which point the bride would have started kung fuing everything. Despite her heavily pregnant status. And the fact that she's probably already been shot. No, I reckon she was left to the end. Well, she's taken down when we get the flashbacks. And so she's yeah, but she gets beaten up, doesn't she? They'll she's probably been shot as well. You'd have to have some Matrix skills to not get at least one bullet in the leg. Or the yeah, but we shoulder. know it wasn't a killing blow. It's just been a wounding one. And then she gets beaten up by all of them. Then she gets shot in the head by them. So we can establish at this point, before they beat her up... They must have killed everybody else. So if Samuel Jackson's still alive at this point, they haven't beaten her up yet. So she's only been shot a couple of times so she can still fight. But not fight well enough to take down all four of them. Dude, she's pregnant. <laughs> and shot. Yeah, exactly. So she still can't take them all down. Well, no, because Samuel Jackson will drop two of them. She'll drop the other two and then they'll double team Bill. But Bill will just whack out his revolver and join in the shooting. No, I don't think he would. He's he's got more class than that. He'll wait until the end and then pull his revolver <laughs> and then shoot them. Yes. No. Um. I don't think Sam Jackson's character has time to do anything. I think he's one of the first to get shot because if you remember back in Kill Bill Volume One, his body's laying at the piano. It, I didn't it, even notice that. Ah, uh, it is there. He is, is it Samuel Jackson playing the body in the first film? I'd imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Easy payday. He's not got to do much acting. Just lay there and not move. I'd take that payday. If he got paid. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably sneeze mid-take. <laughs> Anger Quentin Tarantino. It'd make me take my shoes off and fill my feet. Ooh. <laughs> he, does, he does that. He does a lot of feet filming, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more in this. There's I a particularly think... gratuitous scene with a bare foot. We'll get on to that oh, in a second. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, this one is it's a weird one to survive because we don't see what happens. I feel like there should be a gun under the altar. You think the priest had a gun? Yes. Well, I it is like Texas. Sh- <laughs> uh, no, I feel like there should have been a gun under the altar type thing. 
Or maybe if Sam Jackson is from Pulp Fiction, then maybe there's one tied to the underside of the piano. Exactly. Those gunshots weren't even the Deadly Viper. They're actually the guests firing first. Yeah. <laughs> the aim was just so they didn't know who they were shooting at. It so they just missed everything. and it's all haywire in that church. Yeah. So that's the flashback, Chris, of what actually happened. And we cut forward to the present day and we meet up with Bill and he's going after a Bud, the only male member of the Deadly Viper Assassin Squad and also Bill's brother. Now, I don't know whether it's brother biological brother or term of endearment brother I they're think so it's close biological. you think brothers 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 yeah okay so that that makes it a bit clearer bill goes after bud and tells him the bride's coming after you she's already killed orin and vivica a fox so you're probably next bud has he's not he's not been talking with bill they've had a bit of a falling out and he goes, hey, maybe she deserves her vengeance. Maybe we both deserve to die because we've been dicks. But then again, maybe not. Bill asks him if he's kept up with this sword play. And Bud says that he sold the sword that Bill gave him for $250. Hanzo sword, nonetheless. Yes, the super duper high quality. Priceless. Yeah. Swords, apparently. And he sold it for beer money, probably. Bill's not very happy with that, and he leaves Bud to his fate in his trailer in the middle of nowhere in a desert somewhere. Yeah, these may be well-paid assassins, but he's got no money. No, because he probably spent it, didn't he? Bud's probably, hey, I live life to the full now, and gamble and strippers and beer. So he's probably spent it all on that, and fancy suits, maybe. Then becomes a strip club's owner's bitch. A bouncer. Yeah, but he takes all that. Just I was expecting him to like kill the, the strip club owner, pull out some old assassin skills. But he does nothing. He's just like, yeah, fine. I'll let you take all my days off work. I'll take my hat off. I'll go back all sad. He's just a drunk wreck at this point, isn't he? He's probably forgotten more assassin skills than he learned. Probably, <laughs> he probably can't throw a punch <laughs> at this point. And he spent all his money on cowboy hats that he's not allowed to wear at work. So. <laughs> That's probably made him sad, yeah. So we follow him. He goes to work and he gets shouted at by his boss and has to clean out a toilet. He's fired or suspended or whatever. Suspended, yeah. He's like, you, you can't come back and tell, tell you to because you wore a hat. Yes. <laughs> you committed the cardinal sin about working in a titty bar. You wore a hat. It's bad. So yeah, he comes back from work and he senses that something's a bit off. He goes into his trailer and hiding under the trailer wearing a balaclava is the bride ready to pounce and strike and cut up Bud assassin style, y'all. Unfortunately, though, she's a little underprepared for the deadliest weapon that Bud has, a shotgun (laughs) filled with rock salts and not actual bullets. But yeah, this is hilarious. Because in the last film, we saw the bride take on the crazy 88 and a bunch of well-trained Yakuza members and all sorts of stuff. And she's floored in one shot with a shotgun here by a man that's a bouncer and out of shape. And yeah, it's a little humiliating. And then he messes it all up, doesn't he? He has the perfect opportunity of going out. Once he shot her and she's laying on the floor bleeding out. And as you pointed out, he shoots her with rock salt. Yeah, it's rock salt. So it's not proper. He probably couldn't afford proper pellets or something. Or maybe it's just cheaper to fill up a uh, a shotgun shell with uh, rock salt. Maybe he doesn't want to kill people. Maybe it's deterrent. She's not bleeding out. She's got a flesh wound, but I don't think it's life threatening. Yeah. But even if he just went out there and shot her in the eye with the rock salt, that would probably do it. I thought he would have gone in there because he actually still has his Hanzo sword. Yes. It's shown later. If he'd just taken that out, he could just be like, stab. Pookie pookie. But no, they had to do like an, an evil mastermind plan thing where he basically um, ties her up, doesn't he? Rings the other assassin, L, to say, I've caught her. I've got her Hanzo sword. Do you want to buy it? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then he go proceeds to bury her alive. Well, that's L's influence on him she he, he goes hey is there what, what do you want me to do with her and l goes make her suffer make every breath painful or whatever that is and goes okay yeah i'll bury her alive that'll be <laughs> that'll be super evil rather than just stab her up or shoot her or something the problem i've got with this is that 
the bride, she's waiting. She's scouting out the situation. And she waits for Bud to sit down opposite the door. Now, wouldn't you want to get him when he's in bed, when he's in the shower, when he's unprepared? Because he's just sitting there with a shotgun. I personally would have used some sort of explosive device, attached it to the bottom of his caravan thing. And once he goes back into it, I crawl out the other side and I just walk off into the desert and detonate it. And it An explosion explodes. in the background. Yeah, and just, yeah, done. You could probably rig something like that up from his gas cylinders or well, something. Well, that's what I was thinking. You don't pull the fucking door open and run in there with a sword. <laughs> While he's at the standing opposite. Or sitting there, yeah. waiting. Yeah. Out of shape or not, he was once a deadly assassin. So you've got to think some of that training is there. Even if it's physically not there, he can't deal with you physically. Mentally, there's going to be something there. He had a plan, didn't he? Yeah. He was ready and waiting. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple plan. Shotgun Elegant. by the door. <laughs> It works, though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. He gets close to killing her more than anybody else did. Yeah, way closer than the Crazy 88. If all the Crazy 88 had had shotguns... If only one of them had a gun, they would have dropped her. <laughs> True, yeah. Because that's all it takes in this film. One guy, one gun, one door. <laughs> a deadly combination, yeah. If I was the bride, then you wait until he's off guard. At least got his back to the door. Yeah. Because you can tell by his his shoes that he's looking directly at it. Or when he's walking towards it, because he stops, doesn't he? And he turns around to look at the uh, surrounding desert before he goes inside. Because he's like, I sense there's somebody. <laughs> if she had a gun then, and she could just stuck it through the door and him, like, you know, bang, bang. Yeah. I guess she's trying to use the sword to, for whatever reason to... It's, honor, it sends a I message. I don't know, something. You kill a man with a sword in Texas, then that, that sends more of a message than killing them with a shotgun. I would have used a crossbow. While he was looking around, I would have been under this thing, shot him in the back with a crossbow, and he would have been like, ah, no, ah, turn around the room and be like, there's poison in that. You're going to be dead in 30 seconds. Then he would have dropped down dead. And that would have been it. And I would have walked away looking all cool and badass. Although you would have shot a man in the back. That's not very cool or badass. But it's dirty. It's cowardice. <laughs> the dirty guys are the ones that walk away from the fights. The honourable ones that die. Sometimes. Every time. No, not every time. But no, the bride doesn't do any of these very helpful suggestions. She um, opens the door and runs in there. Yes. <laughs> and gets shot. And then Bud proceeds to bury her alive with the help of one of his hillbilly friends. Yeah, it doesn't really seem the person that's helping him is just like, okay, yeah, I'm buried alive. Oh, we're doing alive. this again. <laughs> All right. Oh, we've done this, we've done this just last, last week, time didn't we? Did we? It. Let's do it again. Yeah. He had really short arms. He was a really short dude. Yeah, but when he was drinking the beer like, and they're both looking down at him, I was just like, why are his arms so short? I'm fixated on his arms. Because he was a short man. Yeah, but they were really short. A short man has short arms. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, they stick her in a coffin and bury her six feet under. Oh, but they gives her the choice first. Doesn't he? Do you want the flashlight or do you want me to mace you in the eyes if you struggle? Well, it's not really a choice. It's, it's a, choice. a threat. It's a choice because she could have chose to struggle. She could have chose to be blind. Yeah. Ugh, no. She makes the right choice getting the flashlight. Agreed, yeah. So she's buried six feet under. This is a fairly disturbing scene. It turns into that terrible Ryan Gosling film, Buried, for a second. I felt uneasy watching that film. What, Buried? Yeah, I didn't see all of it. I saw part of it. Because it was bad? Not because of that, but because it was just like... Not because of that. Not because of that, but... But it was. Well, I don't know. It was... Yeah, I'm not going to watch it again. (laughs) But the the whole idea... I don't think nobody's keen on the idea, is it, of being buried alive in a coffin. That'd be peaceful. Peaceful. I wouldn't have to deal with your shit. <laughs> you would, because I'd be in a coffin. So I'd be like, I'm here with you. Why did you bury him next to me? I could hear him. <laughs> oh, no. But when they're nailing it and that last sliver of light goes and the torch comes on and then we go to black and white again. And every time she, she was using the torch originally, wasn't she try and break the coffin? But she, she kept turning the torch off. Yeah, it was hitting it, yeah. And there's that initial moment of panic where she doesn't know what to do and the hit in the coffin is just that moment of, holy shit, I need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, but thanks to the power of flashbacks, Chris, she manages to punch her way out of that. Um, we get uh, a few scenes with Bill introducing her to Pia May, who is this legendary kung fu expert who's mastered 
every single type of martial arts. He can speak several languages. He's got the best beard and he can flick it with style. Big um, eyebrows. Massive eyebrows. And he's just your stereotypical ancient kung fu master. And the filter for the camera also changes and the filming style changes slightly for this uh, flashback scene. If you didn't, yeah, the camera's slightly more grainy and there are a lot more of the kind of shots that you'd expect to see in an old kung fu film where it would zoom out randomly. Oh, and it zooms on his face, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And the guy that plays Pai Mei is really hamming it up as ha ha ha! I'm I'm legendary kung fu master. Every time I say something smarmy, I play with my beard <laughs> and that kind of stuff, which I really liked. And there's not really that many homages to the kung fu genre as there was in volume one. But this scene kind of makes up for it. And yeah. Pai Mei, the character. Yeah, he definitely makes up for it with <laughs> with all of his corny kung fu skills. Yeah. Pai, Pai Mei, what, is he a good master? Where would you rank him? Yoda level? Well, you always see with these great kung fu masters or martial arts teachers, they're really horrible and they, they beat their students <laughs> and make them do all these horrible things that will hurt their bodies. And it always works. Sometimes. Whereas you get someone like Yoda and he'll just teach all the people, but he won't ever, you know, beat them or whatever. Because he's what a happens. nice guy. All the Jedi die as a result. <laughs> because he didn't beat children with lightsabers. Correct. That's why the Jedi died yes because he didn't chop more limbs off yes <laughs> when he was training them as children oh dear no <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's why but yeah pi may teaches her the three inch punch technique uh which is useful when you're buried in a coffin and you've got no room to pull back and really let rip on the uh the coffin lid i always think about these scenes where people are buried alive and they try to break out the dirt the earth would just collapse there's six feet of earth on top of you that was just going to collapse into the coffin yeah and crush you precisely i get once you break the coffin it'll fall in so the earth will sag a bit but you'll just get smothered with dirt and you'll suffocate yeah she somehow manages to a bit of a weird shot i don't i couldn't see what she's doing exactly but I don't know if she was punching her way out or just holding her fist up and flying yeah. out of it or whatever. <laughs> it could be because she can defy gravity in the fight with the crazy 88. That's, again, she learned from Pai Mai and she learns the eye gouging technique and another move which comes into play later in the film in a horribly disappointing way. We'll get onto that in a bit. The three inch punch technique comes into play. If that amount of soil came down on her, it would crush her. She, she would wouldn't die. be able to move because of the weight of it would pin her down but apparently she has a super punch that allows her to fly up through dirt naturally that's the first lesson of kung fu he buries her alive does he at some point this will happen to you yeah and you'll have to defy gravity and fly up and out of the ground <laughs> okay it's a common lesson yeah terrible physics of getting out of buried alive places aside chris she manages to do it and she goes after bud again Without a sword this time, because Bud has stolen it and he's going to sell it to Elle, who's coming along to catch up on old times and finalise the deal with one million dollars. That seems like too little money. These are meant to be priceless, super rare swords, because the guy that makes them isn't meant to make them anymore. Yeah. And he just, just a million. Uh, I don't know, that feels like, I would have been like 50 million at least. Two million? Fifty. <laughs> That's a lot of money, though. It's a Hanzo sword. Harati Hanzo sword from a guy who took a blood oath never to make one and yet he made one so this sword had been made out of a broken blood oath so it's even rarer four million that's a lot of beers and titty bars <laughs> that you could buy but 50 million will get you more <laughs> maybe he wanted the million so he could buy the titty bar that he got fired from oh what then fire the guy yeah that's what I'd do. Possibly, okay. I'd sell a priceless sword to settle a petty grudge. <laughs> Good fun. Yeah, so the bride goes back after Bud, but she's a bit late because Elle gets there first. And they're having a chat. Bud makes uh, some mojitos. Are they mojitos? It's some sort of alcoholic beverage with yeah. blended ice, wasn't it? In some dirty looking glasses. Yeah. But they weren't even glasses. They were like jam jars. Yeah. They just washed out or pickle jars. He's the original hipster, is Bud. Because you go into them bars and they sell, a, sell give you drinks uh, in jam jars and Never been like to that. a hipster bar. No, you should. It's fun. Let's go. <laughs> there are some places that make drinks with um, Kinder Surprises in them. Kinder Surprises. Yeah, and all sorts of weird <laughs> drinks. Looks fun. 
We'll have to go there one day. Let's do this. <laughs> Get drunk on dirty pickled <laughs> <laughs> pickled glasses. Yeah. Yeah, L drops off the money, examines the sword. Bud takes the money, has a look at it. He's counting it all up. But little does he know, L has put in a black mamba and it strikes and bites Bud in the face and he's poisoned. Uh, he stumbles about for a bit and then falls over. Elle reads some notes about the black member from her little notebook and, uh, yeah, says, hey, you're going to die. She is super hypocritical here. Yes. <laughs> her reason for killing him is because he buried her alive or he done whatever with, um, well, she didn't know that until then. But the reason she killed him is because um, she thought the bride deserved better, a, a better um, death than at the hands of a out-of-shape drunk. drunk. Yeah. Yeah, this was the bitch. <laughs> who was going to poison her oh, don't hold back Chris while she was in a coma <laughs> and then was upset when Bill called it exactly off. yeah what the fuck <laughs> that's not lost on me either yeah it's very right. and she could have saved herself a lot of time and effort if she'd just poisoned the bride exactly at the beginning yeah but nope she's just upset that Bud got the better of her and got to the bride where Vivica A. Fox and Orin, Lucy Lou both failed and they were much more prepared and heavily armed and in better shape than Bud ever was. Are you saying that the suburban mum was much more prepared than Bud? He yes. knew she was coming. <laughs> she no, didn't. Yeah, because she's got mother instincts. Mother instincts? Yes. Bud has drunken instincts. Ooh. And he gets them further than what she got. Drunk mother instincts? My God. <laughs> Combine the two. Yeah. The ultimate instincts. Yeah, no. But doesn't make it. I was expecting a gun in the uh, the money case. Because well, when it was doing the angle of the camera, he's taking the money out. I was like, okay, there's obviously going to be something in there because it keeps doing this close-up. I was expecting to pull money up and like a gun goes off. But a black mamba. It's poetic. Elegant. I'm ashamed to I say... I got to your poetic <laughs> in purse. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that. It wasn't until after he died and she finished reading her notes I went, oh, it's because she's called Black Mamba. That's why she chose that specific snake. What, the bride's the called bride's Black, Black Mamba? Mamba yeah. isn't she? yeah. Surely she should have used a, a California mountain snake. No, because Bill would have been like, well, then I know it's obviously you that put it in there. She wants Bill to... He, w- he probably would have figured that out from the fact that Elle's the last one of the Deadly Viper group left. And she's known for poisoning people. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got the sword that was the bride's. Yeah, because that's what Bill... Because she'd have been like, oh, yeah, I got it from your brother. You know, when I found him dead. <laughs> yeah, I didn't kill him. I had nothing to do with that, no. But survival techniques. There's a while before that snake actually strikes and he's looking at it. Yeah, maybe There's just... long enough to just drop sideways off the chair. I don't know, maybe he gets really scared. And it just freezes on the spot. He's scared of snakes. And he joined a deadly viper assassin group. All of which are named after snakes. He is named after a snake. What snake? Sidewinder. Is he? It's a desert snake that moves sideways in the sand for better grip. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're very welcome. I don't know. Maybe because he thought, just because he's joining a gang called Deadly Viper didn't mean to have to deal with snakes. Maybe he thought his mojito was stronger than he originally intended. (laughs) It's just like, whoa. (laughs) There's some leftover pickle juice in that jar. (laughs) I'm real drunk. if the snake had lunged at him and he sort of grabbed it and like and then killed it and then he had like a little scuffle with L and she got the better of him, I think that would have been a better thing. Maybe. But they had to get him out of the way. Oh yeah, they did. But rather than having these drawn out death of her reading a notebook, he's had time to <laughs> I know he pulls out his Hanzo sword and they have a little sword fight there or something. No, I think the Hanzo sword reveal is, is better left towards the end of the L Bride fight. Uh L having killed Bud picks up all the money, calls Bill and tells Bill everything that Bud told her. But she takes credit for the actual killing of the bride and burying her and everything like that. And she goes to walk out with the sword and the money and gets immediately drop kicked by the bride who was coming back for Bud but ends up getting Elle instead. And there's a fight, there's a scuffle, there's a punch up in this uh, trailer uh, Elle keeps trying to get the sword out, but the bride keeps pushing it back into the sheath. It keeps banging into the walls and the ceiling, doesn't it? Because it's not enough room. Yeah, I, and that's a wise strategy because as soon as that sword's unsheathed, then the bride's in a, a much more precarious situation, isn't she? Because mm. she's still quite tired and I muddied and bloodied. Dehydrated. 
Her yeah. feet must be sore because she walked barefoot. Yeah. She didn't bother putting her boots back on once she'd escaped the belt that had tied her up. And just as a, a thought, she could have used that belt to help her break out of that coffin rather than bloody up her hand. She could uh, have wrapped wrap the it belt up. Around her, uh... No, because that's not how she learnt. <laughs> she learnt the bloody fist is the strongest one. No, the fist with a knuckle duster on it is the strongest one. Even if it's made from a belt, you can still Pai use Mei the... would disagree. Fuck Pai Mei. Oh, his death was upsetting as well. Poisoned fish heads. Okay, first of all, who the fuck eats well, fish the, heads? That death is revealed during the midst of the, the fight between El and Beatrix. They come to a standstill. Hanzo swords at the ready. They've crashed through walls. Uh, El's almost been drowned in a toilet. She's had Bud's spit can thrown at her oh. and all sorts of shit. Uh, she kicks the bride into the uh, bedroom. She goes off to pick up the bride's sword. The bride sees that Bud hasn't actually sold his sword. It's stuck in a in a golf bag and she picks that up. There's a little message written on it to Bud for the only man that I have loved from Bill. And she gets that. And then there's a standoff in the corridor where they're looking at each other. And they have a bit of a chat and the bride asks, hey, I always wanted to know what you said to Pi, mate, to get him to rip out your eye. I believe she calls him something on lives. Is that a stupid old fool or something? A miserable old miserable fool. Miserable old fool, yeah. okay. Stupid he can deal with, but miserable. Oh, hell no. Nobody accuses Pi, mate, of being a buzzkill. <laughs> He's the life and soul of the party. How dare she? Yeah, and there's a brief clip of Pi, mate, pulling out her eye. And then Elle goes, hey, do you want to know what I did to Pi, mate? Poisoned his, his fish heads, like you said, Chris. What a terrible way to go. <laughs> a delicious meal. Fish heads. Fish heads. You've got to eat the whole fish, haven't you? That's disgusting in the first place. I don't want it's, no fish heads. You can't be wasteful. He probably threw That's the rest of the fish away. That's wrong with society. We don't eat enough fish heads these days. I bet he dumped the rest of the fish. He chopped the head off <laughs> Just and he there. threw the rest of it away. <laughs> Didn't eat the tasty fillet. Oh, dear. Pai Mei, that is wasteful. I was expecting Pai Mei to be like, ah, oh, but as a Kung Fu master, I've trained my body to siphon poison out. And he would have concentrated really hard when it leaked out of his ear. No, I think he's poisoned and dead. How old is Pai Mei? Because Bill makes it sound like he's bloody ancient. Yeah, doesn't Bill say, like, back in the year, like, 1003 or something? Yeah, so Pai Mei's got some kind of mystical age-defying technique. Or maybe it's just yoga and kale juice. And fish heads, apparently. And fish heads, yeah. So she better remove the poison. That's no, not really. That. Yes, no. he can. Well, because it's in fish heads, maybe that's why. What? They have pro-poison lock-in or something? I don't know. You're saying the fish heads stopped his thousands-year-old kung fu training? Yes. The fish heads giveth, and the fish heads taketh <laughs> away. <laughs> They're very... <laughs> They're a very fickle master, the healthy <laughs> diet of fish heads. But yeah, Pai Mei dies... Um, he's not very happy about dying. He talks some smack. Calls her a treacherous dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that's how, uh, the bride is informed that Pai Mei's dead and she didn't think he was dead. So Elle's probably not told anyone. Elle's probably told Bill that Pai Mei's dead because Pai Mei and Bill, well, they weren't friends, but they were teacher student, weren't they? Yeah, he trained Bill and then Bill sends people to him to be trained to then recruit to his own assassin hit squad. Yeah. Is that, that's how it works, is it? Yeah, that's, yeah. Because yeah. he wants the best of the best. And if you train with Pai Mei, then you're going to be pretty damn good. I can't see Bud training with Pai Mei. I can no. see everyone else training with Pai Mei, but yeah. not Bud. Bud doesn't feel like a person who'd have kung fu. They say that he, he has swordmanship. Yeah. He doesn't anymore, but he did. Yeah. But he seems like the sort of guy who... When they turn up and somebody starts pulling all these moves, he just pulls out a handgun and shoots them. Or a machine gun or a shotgun. <laughs> yes, or a shotgun. And yeah, so maybe Bill trained Bud, if they're proper brothers, then maybe instead of sending him to Pai Mei... He gave him some sword techniques and that was it. Yeah. Gave him the Hanzo sword, which Bud isn't that fussed about, which is why he keeps well, it. Well, he's, he's, got, he's got some sentimental value. He does care about it more than he wants to let on. That's why he didn't sell it. He, sa- he tells people that he sold it because he doesn't want them to know that he cares. But deep down, he does. Keeps it with his umbrellas. And his golf clubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a standoff in the the trailer. And Bride's got Bud's old sword. And Elle's got uh, the Bride's sword. And they clash swords. And Elle 
is she's got the upper hand because the bride she's all worn out from being buried alive and everything and just being pushed back but uh the bride comes up with a smart idea and she has the advantage of having two eyes whilst l only has one eye so the bride using the old pinch twist and remove of the eyeball technique that she used in the fight with the crazy 88 takes out uh, l's eye and leaves her to shout and go bloody ballistic in this dirty old trailer uh blind and well as in black mamba yeah slithering about in the middle of a desert yeah this would have been a lot more impressive if we hadn't seen the eye removal technique in the fight with the crazy 88 no i i was still impressed by it i, I didn't expect it to happen because i forgot you forgot that she's got that skill yeah if i had that skill i'd use it all the time every fight so, oh there goes another <laughs> oh there goes another one yep it's bastard. a fight ender as well you take someone's eye out that's it nobody else is messing with you well the crazy eight yeah they, no, they, they mess with <laughs> their eye on they're like yeah whatever we're gonna keep going yeah it's one of our opening moves as well in that fight it is but yeah this was, a, it was this was a solid action scene the ending's surprising and, and, and fun, but yeah, I think it would have been a lot more special if we hadn't have seen that move before. Oh, I still think it was fine, because then she drops it and there's a close-up of her squishing it yeah. with her foot. Oh. I-, I winced at that, because oh. I don't like feet, and there's a lot of feet shots. <laughs> yeah, Tarantino. Barefoot, I Has he got a squish. food fetish or something? He keeps did, doing There's this. a lot of feet in his films. Yeah. He keeps making the bride wear sandals as well. Yeah. Foot fetish aside, Chris, Elle's not classified as dead or not. I mean, she's probably going to die because she's blind, plunged she... into a world of eternal darkness and stuck in a desert in a trailer with a black mamba. No, I reckon once she's calmed down and she's got her bearings, she would have got out of there. She would have got her phone out, speed dial. Bill wouldn't have answered because... He's otherwise engaged. But she's got other contacts, I bet. Somebody else would answer the truth and be like, yeah, this happened. Can you come help me? <laughs> what you say? Just uh, just another day at the office. Yeah. I've yeah. been blinded again. Yeah, you know what happened to my eye? It's gone. The other one's oh, gone now. Oh, it happened again. <laughs> Lucky I've got all this money, though, so I want another eye put in. But if you were rescuing her and you said, hey, there's a million bucks here, you'd just go there, be real quiet, take the briefcase and just leave maybe that's what you'd do <laughs> take I the bribe chris i'd probably turn up heavily armed blast her <laughs> and then take the money you'd have to watch out for the black member as well yeah i wouldn't know it's there so as i reach out and get it, it would bite me i'd be like oh, son of a bitch yeah well l being alive is no accident it's a sort of unofficial plan that tarantino has for a kill bill volume three which may or may not ever happen really but yeah. Bill's dead. You can kill Bill again. Unless it's called <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 3 Return of L. Well, kind of. So this is the the brief layout of what Kill Bill Volume 3 would be. It would be L would be back and she would be a blind sword master training Vivica A. Fox's daughter from the first film. Uh, okay. And it would be those two going after the bride and the bride's daughter who is still alive and is revealed... In the next scene where the bride is tracking down Bill, she's ready to get, uh, cross him off her kill list. And she finds him, breaks into his house, and she finds Bill playing cowboys and Indians or shooty gun play toy thing with uh, the bride's daughter who is alive and well. Bebe. and has Yeah, and has been living with, with Bill. They have a chat, they have some bonding time. The bride's allowed to sit with BB. Um, once she's asleep, she goes out and into the lounge and she has big boy talks with Bill. Big boy talks. She's not happy with Bill. Uh, Bill shoots her with a truth serum because Bill wants to know uh, why she ran away and she can't believe her. So truth serum. Yeah, she explains that I left you because I knew if you found out I was pregnant, you'd take BB and train her as an assassin and I didn't want that. I let an assassin go. There was a skirmish and an assassin tried to kill me, but I convinced the assassin that I was pregnant and then the assassin left. And that was when I decided that, yeah, I, I need to run away. Then Bill says, 
hey, I was really angry that I thought you were dead, so I came after the people that killed you, and then you were alive, and then I wanted to kill you instead, so I tried to murder you. And there's there's a whole thing, and yeah, they, they have their talk, they sit outside, uh, Bill says, okay, let's come up with a meeting point, and we'll fight on a beach in the moonlight, it'll be real swell, and this was the actual plan for the for the film right but quentin tarantino overran on the filming schedule <laughs> is this why it was so short this this fight yeah he ran out of time basically and i think he ran out he ran out of time and probably money and the studio said hey wrap it up we gotta we gotta <laughs> release this baby and so yeah that explains why the end fight is the two of them sitting on chairs and then Bill going, hey, we should fight on a beach. And then, surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> and then he goes for the kill with the samurai sword. Uh, the bride deflects, uh, parries the blow, and then unleashes the ultimate strike that Paime taught her. The five-finger... Is it five-finger death punch? Five-finger... Five-pointed palm-exploding heart technique. That's it. Which Bill could have survived because it would only kill you after you've taken five steps. Although I counted and he took six. He took a six step and then he He's collapsed. that hard, Chris. Oh, well, that he survived. <laughs> that he can take an extra step. Yeah. So this technique, it what basically turns your heart to mush. And then any extra strain that you put on it, like walking, causes it to explode or fail, essentially. Yeah, I don't think it actually explodes. They just say that. Well, there's a bit of blood that trickles out of Bill's mouth. Yeah, I reckon so there might be some light explosion. Light explosion. Well, she hits all these pressure points, doesn't she? It, I know nothing about pressure points, but I'm just going to assume it. Causes well, there's five pressure points, Chris, and you have to hit them with your palm, and then your heart explodes. It's very scientific. I've studied it many a time. Here, let me show you. Bring your heart to me. Well, considering it's the I want it's to five <laughs> fingers, not palm. Five-pointed palm exploding heart technique. Yeah, but when she jabs him, she's jabbing with her fingers, not her palm, is she? Yeah, but to get in between the ribs. <laughs> Whatever. And then you finish it off with the palm strike. But the thing is, it's this happens to you. You'll take five steps, you'll collapse. Don't take the five <laughs> steps and just be like, well, you can go now because I'm going to die. She'll leave. And then you're just like, somebody help me. Oh, my God, I need medical you attention. Take three steps to get to the phone. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then like, you the phone's another three steps. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> what if he sat down and, like, dragged I think that would have also... And I think any movement would have Well, in this added case, strain. he took seven steps then. Because he stood up, he took a step to turn around, and then he took six steps before his heart popped. Because he's really hard. He's got that silver fox hardness. I think even if Bill had just sat there, his heart would have gave out anyway. I disagree. There is a way out of this. She would have left. He would have got his phone, which... I keep forgetting how old these films are, so I'm always surprised they're flip phones. <laughs> he would have brought up Google and Googled the cure, and then he would have depressurized his chest. He wouldn't have, chest. because in 2004, I don't think they were internet-connected phones. Just ring the hospital. I'm like, i got five-fingered death punched again. It's five-point palm-exploding heart technique. There are no oh. fingers. <laughs> it's not the wishy finger hole from Kung Fu Panda. They're two different <laughs> techniques. <laughs> But yeah, I think either way, Bill's dead. And Bill, he's not so bitter about it. He knew that this was going to come down to him and the bride and that one of them would have to be killed and then the other would be raising BB. Um, He's still got feelings for her as well, so that's probably a a thing he's not really... He wouldn't have minded killing her because he's got BB to look after afterwards. But he knows that BB's in good hands and that what Bud said about her deserving her revenge. She probably does, and Bill was a bit of a dick and did act rashly by Overreacted, as he says. Yeah. I may have overreacted. Yeah. He did a bit. Just a, just a tad, do you reckon? Yeah. And again, this is another case of someone planning out an epic duel with the bride and then trying to get a pot shot in and then it failing. Because that happened with Vivica A. Fox at the beginning of this series. And it ends here with Bill again. <laughs> Don't try your pot shot. I he know. should have gone to the beach. They could have stood there in the moonlight. And then he probably would have convinced them not to do it. Or, the, or he may have gotten a better sh- shot. He may have been a better sword fighter. 
standing up. Yeah, we're never going to really know, are we? Because it uh, ended so fucking quickly. Oh, yeah. so just when she'd done that, she like hit him all in the chest. I was just like, no, oh, come on. And there was a lot of build up to that. Mark. There was a huge amount of build it's up. Bill, he's talking about bloody comic books. Bill doesn't look like the kind of guy that reads comic books, does he? I enjoyed that scene because when I, he was not talking, for a second did I believe that he reads comics yeah why because he's an old rich man (laughs) that just seems like a thing that quentin tarantino had written he's written this epic thing about oh the cause of duality and superheroes i've got nowhere to put it though let's give it to the silver fox (laughs) that'll do of course bill reads comics (laughs) no i don't think he does he's more of a cowboy guy no that's bud no he's watching a cowboy film with bill and he's also got a cowboy gun he's got a revolver he has a samurai sword. And a revolver. Who reads comics? <laughs> That's fine. You can a have... man of many interests is Bill. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, the bride kills Bill and then takes BB and they run off together and live happily ever after, presumably. No. Until Not volume three. Yes. <laughs> and they're all murdered, yeah. But no, it's a good film. I prefer volume one to this to volume two because uh volume one there's a lot more punchy crunchy action in it and this one volume two is a lot more character driven and it's more focused on the relationship of bill and the bride and their interplay than anything else but it's fine yeah but i there's nothing that beats the crazy 88 fight i feel we should watch both films we just did, Chris, and but we did podcasts on in them. In one sitting. No. I feel it would make the second one richer. No, it would make the second one feel even longer and drag out more after that we, fight. What if we watch the second one first no. and then do the first one? The ending would be more satisfying because you, you nothing they could have done could have beaten the Crazy 88 fight. Until Kill it's Bill the best, 3. It's, no, it's the best scene in that in these two films. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> what is the best scene I'm there? I'm playing them all in my head. Is I it don't the know. rapey <laughs> well, the, hospital <laughs> bit? I'm is that I the fuck. best scene? <laughs> no, the buried alive bit scene was really... Uh, yeah, but though, really you wouldn't watch that over the crazy 88 scene. I know you because there's not as much <sighs> blood and Maybe limb loss. I went out and brought the special edition that shows a crazy 88 scene in full colour. No black and white. Dum dum dum. I'm very happy that you have money, Chris, to spend. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So that sums up uh, Kill Bill volumes one and two. Uh, we did both. So if you didn't check out last week's episode, you'd probably do that. We had fun. But now, Chris, the news. The news. Um, we start off with what's becoming a fairly regular occurrence. Chris's Corner, where Chris watches mostly Chucky films (laughs) and two other random films that have no bearing on it, and then he sometimes ranks them. So, Chris, what have you been up to this week? Well, this won't come as a surprise, but I watched Kill Bill Volume 2. Shockingly. I then watched Darkest Hour, about Winston Churchill, starring Gary Oldman. And then I watched Seed of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. Oh, no, Curse of Chucky, sorry. Seed of Chucky is by far the worst in the series, in my opinion. The only saving grace for it is at the end when um, the filmmakers acknowledge that they've gone way over the top bringing all the bride in, a kid, and all these dolls. And Chucky's like, this is all too much. I'm a killer doll. This is what I am. I don't want anything to do with this. Which is good. It's good that he pokes fun at the fact that he's gone over the top. Yes, because then it gets in the next film, and oh my god, it is so good. What's that one? Cult of Chucky? No, Curse of Chucky. Curse of Chucky, okay. This is really good. Becomes a really good horror film. All the campy, silly stuff is gone. There's there's none of that at all. When Uh, was it released? 2013. Okay. Was that the year of the reboots for campy horror, or for 80s horror that had gone too far in the comedic route? Because what time did the Nightmare... Because what date did the... Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, so it's about the same time, so, yeah. Even if, yeah, so, which I'm glad they Is do. Is that the, the teenies were the age of, the or teenies. are the age, <laughs> of, campy re, of campy horror coming back to serious? Serious horror, yeah. They, they still acknowledge the previous films, because when you see Chucky in this, the doll looks new and fresh, 
you know, it's a modern day version of what the of an eighties doll. But then he turns out he's wearing makeup, which peels away and shows all of his scars and stitches he gets in the previous films. Okay, and um, it's actually it's really good. There was a few scenes in it where I was actually tense and I jumped. Okay, that <laughs> was I was good. That was good. And then Darkest Hour was an excellent film. I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. Okay, no killer dolls. Or no killer dolls. Just Churchill doesn't fight a bunch of ninjas. No, nope. doesn't sound like your kind of film, then, Chris. It, if I'm well, being I didn't honest. think it would be, but I went and watched it anyway, and I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Is Gary the Oldman Oldman's performance worthy of an Oscar? It's top notch. He goes. He speaks top like, notch. Top notch. High praise. He, well, he speaks like Winston. And um, he's doing his voice and his... I'd imagine he'd have to speak like speech. Winston if but he's then playing Winston. When he starts shouting, though, he slips and he sounds like Gary Oldman. Well, maybe that's how Winston Churchill shouted. Sounded like, like, Gary, like Oldman. Gary Oldman. Like Gary yeah. Oldman. I don't think it did. But that was really good. Oh, another thing in that Cursor Chucky. It explains in the first Child's Play how he comes to being chased by the police. He's running down the street. Oh, that's what I always wanted to know. It's not. He's just a murderer and they found him. They did find him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I could have picked that together. But while he's got a pregnant woman hostage and that he's taking care of and believes is his wife and then he stabs her, which results in the main character in this new film series being in a wheelchair. So they're trying... Are they trying to make Chucky relatable? Is that the point of that? No, I think they put her in a wheelchair to, you know, so Chucky's more of a threat to her. No, but they put... No, Chucky thinks that the lady's his wife. This wife, um, she gets killed at the start of the film. And then the woman. So Chucky's wife gets killed at the start of the it's film. It's not his real wife. He kills her husband and then abducts her. Oh, so. And becomes obsessed with her. Right. Okay. So not trying to make him relatable. No, no, no. Good. <laughs> okay. I don't like it when films. They just make him more crazy, if anything. Yeah. He do, he's a serial killer in a horror film. We don't need to be feeling sorry for him oh no no we don't no but okay. i highly recommend it it's great okay so where would you rank the four films that you've watched this week chris well the shittest film is definitely seed of chucky dear okay. god <laughs> and then i would stick in oh it's a tough we'll stick kill bill in okay and then we're gonna put in curse of chucky and in darkest hour okay so the film I never thought you'd actually watch... It is really good. An Oscar bait film is the film that you really like. <laughs> it is so good. I would recommend it. Oh, maybe your taste in films is, is growing, Chris. No, because I started watching Cult of Chucky. Okay, so back to horror again. Back to horror, yeah. <laughs> Fine, fair enough. Should we get on to the news, Chris? A fair few trailers came out this week. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mute, and When We First Met. Which one of them... Seems like a film that we're not going to watch or mute. talk about. Definitely mute. <laughs> when we first met, sounds like something I definitely want to see. When we first met is a rom com. I think it's on Netflix about a time traveling photo booth. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Let's skip over that. We'll talk about mute quickly. Have you seen this trailer? Never even heard of it. Okay. I, again, I think this is a film coming out on Netflix. It's a kind of uh, techno noir, ghost in the shell, Blade Runner kind of era okay. film um with the greatest supervillain known to mankind paul rudd with a mustache dear god <laughs> why are they making why are they giving all these bad guys mustaches they're making henry cavill have a mustache beard thing and he's gonna be the yeah. bad guy mission impossible oh no paul rudd's mustache is proper handlebar 80s is it like he's anchorman years uh, i think it's better than an anchorman one good <laughs> That's what we needed. But yeah, Paul Rudd, he doesn't scream villain to me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he can do a sinister slimy, yeah. hey, I'm your best friend and I'm going to pull out all your fingernails. And Yeah, I can see Paul Rudd doing that. Yeah, torturing you like that. So no, that looks kind of promising. I'm not sure what it's about. Maybe underworld criminal gang sort of stuff. It looks promising. Speaking of sci-fi type thing, have you seen the trailer for Altered Carbon? Uh, that's a Netflix TV, Netflix TV series. series. I've yeah. heard about it. I've not that seen looks very it. interesting. About when you grow old and die, if you've got enough money, you can transfer your consciousness to a new body. And there's a billionaire who's been doing this. He's been alive for hundreds of years. And then he gets murdered, transfers his consciousness, and hires a private investigator to find out who killed his previous body. Ah. Looks very Blade Runner y. It does. It looks really. Uh, oh, it looks very mutey. Very what? Mute. Well, Mute looks can, very altered carbony. Yeah. <laughs> you can throw them all into that. But, um, yeah, check out that. That looks good. Okay. 
Oh, probably oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah, the final trailer. Did you watch it? I didn't even know it was out. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> you didn't tell me. It's a, I, I just assumed that you'd know. But yeah, it's a teaser trailer. It popped out. Um, yeah, it looks really good. We've got quite a few cool scenes from it. The Wasp runs on a knife. They're driving a van that shrinks and then it gets big and flips another van. Uh, there's a, a sweet dispenser that grows big and knocks oh, a guy off a motorbike we get a little look at ghost the villain um lawrence fishburns in it with probably questionable uh allegiances from the way he's he's been shot there um he doesn't okay. say anything but um any yeah. avengers cameos uh not in the trailer i don't think they'd spoil that because they didn't spoil the falcon cameo in in the trailer did they for the first I, ant-man i never watched a trailer for the first ant-man Oh, God. What have you got against Ant-Man? <laughs> I just don't like the Ant-Man trailers. <gasps> no. Yeah, it looks pretty promising. Uh, there's some information that's come out about Ant-Man and oh the Wasp. Oh, my God. What? Uh, even though it comes out after uh, Avengers Infinity War. It's set before Infinity Wars. Yes. Yeah, it's set between... or it's. I think it's set just after Civil War, once he's broken out of prison or he's on probation or whatever deal he's got going on there so yeah it doesn't spoil anything from infinity war so ant-man could die in infinity war and <laughs> and be in ant-man and the war yeah and then but they've, all... they've, they've never done this before they've always released the films in well i mean they didn't have captain america didn't they actually that's set before everything but... yeah but I get, I get there's always some kind of sort of chronological order yeah. but the timeline's been sort of wibblified because uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is set only a few months after the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Rather than the two or so years that actually spaced out between the actual films, because that's usually how they do it in real time, mm. is what passes when the films are released. And then Spider-Man Homecoming threw a wrench into the works, because Avengers came out in 2012, I think? Right. Or before... Ugh. But this is set. But Spider-Man: Homecoming says nine years later when it jumps from the event, the Alien and Loki yeah, from stuff upwards. Yeah. So, is Spider-Man: Homecoming set a few years before now? I don't know. <laughs> is it set in? If it was twelve, then it'd be twenty-one. Yeah. So Spider-Man: Homecoming is twenty twenty-one. Maybe. But Infinity Wars is going to be now? Yeah. What? So it's, it's, it's weirded things up. Oh, they're gonna I, be... it, it doesn't matter, oh, though, God. too it's much. They, oh, once they throw the X-Men in, they're going to be like, oh, I come multiple timelines. <laughs> I don't think... It doesn't break the MCU continuity. It does for me. <laughs> Did you notice before I even said anything about Spider-Man? No. <laughs> so you're fine. <laughs> you forget everything we've said about that in this podcast, cause, as you usually do. When is Black Panther released? Because I keep seeing posters it's and February. trailers. Yeah, it is for February. Yeah. You told me ages ago it's fucking March. <laughs> no, because you kept going, there's something coming out in February. Yeah, and I thought it was Black Panther. Yeah, you're I like, didn't no, think it's coming it was out Black Panther. So it was right. Okay. Because every time I see it, I was like, but Jack said March. What's going on? I've been having these internal battles I with myself. I thought it was March. I think it's late February or mid-February. I thought it was early February. <laughs> it's soon. It's coming out fairly soon. It's, you've not seen Ant-Man on the Wasp trailer, so you've got nothing no. else to add. So, great. It's a, it's a fine trailer. Speaking of Black Panther, the early reviews are out for it, and they're apparently particularly good. People are enjoying it. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and finally, some Warner Brothers news. Some DC fans have been raising money for underprivileged kids to go and see the Black Panther film, which is pretty good. DC fans have been raising money for underprivileged kids to see Black Panther? Yeah. Okay. They, they can be friends. Yeah. It's good. Okay, okay I've got nothing against that. It's good. It's fun. Uh, less good news, though, for... <laughs> Warner Bros. saying, no, you can't do this. No, less good news for DC fans. Warner Brothers apparently didn't have faith in the Justice League film uh, before it came out, and they believed it was going to be... <laughs> they believed it was going to be a flop before it was released, and they blamed that on the performance of Batman versus Superman not doing particularly well. Right. Yeah, during the reshoot stuff, 
and the CG post-production stuff, it was a case of just get it done. It doesn't matter if Superman's jaw looks shit because we're probably not going to make enough money. Just get it out as soon as possible so we can at least reclaim some money. That's the story that's been going around so far. I don't know whether it's true. Probably is. The chances are, maybe. But yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. They're blaming this on Batman v Superman not doing well. But if they'd made a good film and word of mouth had gone round that, yeah, this is a good film, like it did with Wonder Woman, then they would have made their money back and hit the target that they had set. So it's not a case of, oh, the previous film was bad. Let's just make another bad bad film. (laughs) That's not how it works. If you make a good film, then word of mouth gets round, and then people are more willing to go and see a good film, aren't they? they? Are they really? (laughs) Well... Transformers destroys that theory of mine. (laughs) But still. Oh, dear. Cool. The movies are fucked. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's it for this week, Chris. I I think we're done. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week. I'll think of something. We'll talk. Curse and Cult of Chucky. No Chuckies. (laughs) They're the two highest rated Chucky films. I don't care. We'll do something, though. You'll enjoy it, or you won't. Thank you. How do people get in contact with us, Chris? You can reach us on Twitter at We Could Survive That. No, at We Could Survive. Or you find us YouTube, just put in We Could Survive That. We're on Podomatic and iTunes. You can leave your reviews, your ratings, your suggestions, your criticisms, etc., etc. Email, Gmail, We Could Survive That. Oh, yeah, we have an email as well. (laughs) You do that. Uh, yeah, that's it. We'll be back next week with something. Um, wrap it up, Chris. Wrap it up now. With a wrap. No, don't wrap. No, okay. we shan't <laughs> Just wrap. End it. But you have all been listening to Week of Survive That, your weekly survival guide to Quentin Tarantino's films. We're going to see you all next week for a surprise. But until then, goodbye. It's not a surprise. I've just not planned that far ahead. So it'll be a surprise because nobody will know what it is. <laughs> what we don't even know I what it is. I don't know what it is. It's a super surprise. <laughs> oh. Goodbye.